Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. Now, if you got a Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. We are continuing our series on marriage this weekend with a message entitled, Stop Trippin'. Stop Trippin'. Uh, I'm excited to be back since I've been gone for a couple weeks, but I am not necessarily excited to preach this message. I got my boots on because I kind of feel like I'm going to have to step on a few toes. Strategically, I probably should have worn ballet slippers so that you felt like I was gently tapping on your toes, but some of you are going to feel like it's just this right here. Uh, And remember, my heart is not to hurt. My heart is to help. With all of my heart, I believe God gave me this message. I wouldn't be preaching it if I didn't feel that way. But sometimes the truth has a little bit of a a sharp edge, right? And so I'm going to do my best to gently and lovingly be used by the Holy Spirit to cut open some spots that maybe God wants to, to uh, remove from your marriage, from your life. So I just ask that you have an open mind and that you not sit here listening to this message for your spouse. Ooh. No, no, no. I want you to be elbowing yourself, all right? Now, the reason this message is entitled Stop Trippin' is because when I was in junior high, we used to play a game called the Trippin' Game, all right? And I want you to see the visual picture of this because this is the burden the Lord gave me for this message, to do something about a problem that's going on where the enemy is playing a game possibly with you related to your spouse. So, uh, Brad and Noel, will you guys come up here for a sec? I want you to see this visually, all right? This is what the Trippin' Game is, and this is what the enemy does, Okay. I'm, I'm going to show you what we used to do in junior high, and then I'll help you understand. Noel, if you'll just come right here. Now, the tripping game involved two people coming together. Okay, if you'll just kind of turn this way. There you go. Two people will come together against one unsuspecting, sweet person like Noel. Okay? And it would involve a pusher and a tripper. Okay? The tripper would get down on all fours behind the unsuspecting, sweet person. And the pusher would come up and just go, wham. Now, I'm not going to do it to Noel. Sorry to make you flinch. I'd never do that because Brad would kill me. But you get the idea, okay? The tripping game involves somebody getting down behind someone who didn't see it coming and being used to cause someone to fall, okay? As we walk through this message, I need you to understand, this is the game the enemy is trying to play with you, all right? Where the enemy is the pusher. The devil is the pusher, and he is looking for anybody, any spouse who will get behind their unsuspecting spouse and make it easier for him to cause them to fall using you as the stumbling block. Do you see the picture? Okay, thank you guys. As we walk through these things, because we're going to talk about some of the biggest stumbling blocks that uh, uh, a a wife has related to her husband, and we're going to talk about the biggest stumbling block for many husbands as it relates to their wives, all right? 
So let's jump right in. Here's point number one. She trips over his skips. She trips over his skips. You'll understand what this means in a moment. Genesis chapter 29, verse 14. After Jacob had stayed with Laban for about a month, Laban said to him, you shouldn't work for me without pay just because we are relatives. Tell me how much your wages should be. Now, Laban had two daughters. The older daughter was named Leah, and the younger one was Rachel. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. Since Jacob was in love with Rachel, he told her father, I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me Rachel, your younger daughter, as my wife. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel, but his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. Oh, doesn't he sound so sweet? No, he's about to sound like an idiot in the very next verse. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Me caveman. Give me my wife so I can sleep with her. He's jumping the gun just a little bit. Watch what it causes him. He skips over a few important de details and watch what happens. So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob. And he slept with her. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me? Isn't it amazing how when we mess up, we always want to find someone else to blame? What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? Okay. Jacob skipped over a few important steps that caused him, for whatever reason, to go to sleep with Leah, not Rachel. I know we wanted to blame Laban, but ladies, just think about this. Wouldn't you be a little bit offended if the man who romantically worked seven years to earn you from, his, from your father went to sleep with your sister and didn't even realize it wasn't you? Okay, clearly, Jacob jumped the gun a little bit and skipped over a few important details, right? Okay, a mess is always created when a man skips over the steps God puts in front of him in his marriage. So I want us to take a look at the three, I believe, big ways that a husband can trip up his wife. Here's the first one. She trips when he skips over showing emotion. She trips when he skips over showing emotion. A man who skips over showing emotion is not doing so because he doesn't have any emotion. He's doing so because he would rather hide his emotions. And here, here's what concerns me about a man who hides his emotions. A man who hides his emotions today will eventually start hiding far bigger details by tomorrow. If you'll hide how you feel today, you will start hiding what you do tomorrow. Husbands, show your emotion. But the pushback I get is, well, I don't want her to think that I'm weak. 
Okay. Let me, husbands, let me ask you this question if that's you and you kind of use that as an excuse for not emoting at all, okay? Do you think Jesus was a basket case? If you're afraid to show emotion to your wife, just answer that question. Do you think Jesus was an emotional basket case? Does anyone here think that? No, of course not. But let me show you what Scripture says about some times where Jesus definitely showed his emotions. You can go back into the Old Testament, prophetically lets us know. Speaking of the Messiah, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. John chapter 11, verse 35 says plainly, then Jesus didn't just cry, he wept. You know the difference between crying and weeping? Weeping is an ugly cry. It's heaving. Jesus wept. Luke chapter 19, verse 41, but as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began, not to cry, to weep. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, while Jesus was here on the earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears. Men, was Jesus an emotional basket case? No. He was simply honest about how he was feeling. You'll never be emotionally healthy, sir, if you cannot be honest about how you're feeling. And here's one of my, my big problems. Most men make their wives play hide and seek as it relates to their emotions. They make the wife pull out the tiniest feelings. Listen, that's exhausting. When she asks you, how do you feel about that? Stop acting like she's playing Dr. Phil. She's just trying to hear your heart. Don't make it an exhausting exercise for her to get a small sliver of your heart. Be honest about how you're feeling. When you skip over showing emotion, sir, you need to understand you are causing your wife to trip. And even a more harsh way to say it is, the devil is using you as one of the biggest stumbling blocks in your wife's life. Here's the second way that she trips up. She trips when he skips over leading spiritually. She trips when he skips over leading spiritually. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. Now, let's talk about this for a second because I've known some, some chauvinistic men who take verses like this and shove it in their wives' faces. Follow me because that's what God's word says. No, fool, that's not how it says it. Don't talk like that. The goal is not to force your wife to follow you. The goal is to live in such a way that because of the way you follow Jesus, she wakes up every morning of her life longing to follow after you as you follow after Christ. That's the goal. I, I don't force God on my children. I never have. But I have a strategy to help them meet God in an intimate way and have an intimate relationship with him. And here's my strategy. Step one, I want to earn their respect. I want to live in such a way that my children and my wife respect me. They look up to me. And here's what's happening. I'm not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. But here's 
what, what has happened. In my house, I'm kind of a really big deal. Don't tell my wife and kids that, that I'm not that big of a deal, okay? But they, they look up to me. My children look up to me. That's not a bad thing. I have worked hard to try and earn their respect. I want them to be proud of me. But that's just step one. After I earn their respect, I want to earn their intrigue. And here's what I mean. See, at home, my kids make a really big deal out of me. But then they hear me make a really big deal out of Jesus when they hear me praying in my office. They see me sitting down at the breakfast table making a big deal out of Jesus as I pour over scripture with four different colors of highlighters and pens. They come to church with me and they see me unapologetically, unashamedly worshiping God in a public place. I'm trying to earn their intrigue. They make a big deal about me at home, but I want them to look and go, okay, I make a big deal out of him, but why is he making such a big deal out of Jesus? I want to earn their intrigue in such a way where it begs them to search for the answers. Why does my hero have Jesus as a hero? Okay, this is what it's like to lead spiritually. It's not about being a dictator. It's about being an inspiration. You should write that down because that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> a man who doesn't lead from Scripture is a man missing out on the best way to build a family from the ground up. A man who doesn't lead in prayer is a man missing out on the best way to protect his family. A man who doesn't lead in worship is missing out on the best way to strengthen a family. A man who doesn't lead in the area of tithing and generosity is a man missing out on one of the best ways to bless a family. Man, we're called to lead spiritually. That does not mean we walk around saying, you do whatever I say. It means we walk around and say, I do whatever he says. And I want to be an inspiration to every one of you. I want you to look at my life and see Jesus, not my flesh. But she trips when he skips over leading spiritually. Let, let me say this and I'll move to the next one. What does that really look like when we talk about uh, I'm not going to read it, but uh, Ephesians 5 talks about uh, wives submit to your husbands and husbands lay your life down for your wife the way Christ laid his life down for the church. What does that actually look like? Well, let me just give you some practical things that this looks like. I'm, I'm speaking just to the husbands right now. It means you need to make sure your wife wins, even if it involves you losing from time to time. It means you need to make sure that your wife wakes up excited about life, even if it means you wake up a little more tired from time to time. It means you make sure your wife drives a better car than you, even if you drive a clunker. My grandfather gave me that advice years ago. Preston, make sure, make sure Holly always drives a better car than you. It's pretty good advice. Seems like a small thing, but it's just another way to honor Men, we're called to lay our lives down every day for our wives. That means I want my wife falling asleep every night knowing I would do anything for her. And somewhere during that day, 
I did something no other human being on the planet did for her because I'm the only one willing to lay my life down for her. Men, we're called to that. But if we aren't living in that way, leading spiritually the way God has called us to do, then we are being used by the devil to be one of the biggest stumbling blocks in the life of our wives. Here's the third area where she trips up. She trips when he skips over pursuing romantically. She trips when he skips over pursuing romantically. Go back to Genesis 29, verse 21. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. Unfortunately, this is a little bit of the heart cry of most men. Let's cut to the chase. Okay. Uh, I hate to tell you this, men, but that's not exactly the most romantic thing. Me, caveman, come sleep with me. What are you, cookie monster? God created your wife to be pursued romantically, and I can prove it to you. Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22, and you know if you're going to read a verse out of Lamentations, this message is straight from the library of heaven. Lamentations never makes it into a message. Lamentations 3, 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never, ever ceases. It never stops. His mercies never come to an end. They are new. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you know what this word mercies means? Tender, loving affection. His mercies, his tender, loving affection for you is new every morning. So what does it look like to pursue romantically? I don't have time to walk it all through, but I'll give you a couple of, of tips, men, all right? Here's, here's the first one. If you're going to go to the next level in pursuing romantically, here, here's one thing you can do. Talk to her in new ways. Find new ways to say old things. Here's another way to say it. Set a goal at least once every week of her life. You find a way to tell her that you love her in a way you never have before. Talk to her in new ways. Talk about her strengths in new ways. Don't just say the same old thing. Romance means mixing it up, okay? Not the same old monotonous speech that you give. Find a new way to say the same old thing, quote unquote. Here's another tip. Touch her in appropriate ways. Touch her in appropriate ways. Now, I don't have time to go through this, but do a study on all of the different times Jesus touched people. It, it, it'll get you. I mean, clearly Jesus figured out the power of touch. Think about it. There were times Jesus healed with touch. There are times Jesus hugged with touch. There are times he held using touch. There are times, essentially, he high-fived with touch. But you notice something about the way Jesus touched people. The way he touched them was not about what he wanted. It was about what they needed. So let me speak to the men just for a minute. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write it down five times. 
If every time you touch your wife, it has to lead to sex, you are telling your wife that you touching her is just another way you touch yourself. Some of you, it's going to take reading that 10 times to understand. If you've got to read it that many times, read it. I get sick and tired of watching men manipulatively touch their wives, acting like it's about being sweet when it's really just about the goal of crossing the finish line. Husbands, if you would figure out the power of touch, that there are days when your wife just needs to be held and it doesn't lead to anything other than more confidence in herself and in you. There are some days your wife just needs a high five, doing a great job. And that little touch is the biggest deal and sends the largest message. There are times she just needs your shoulder to cry on. One of the best ways to pursue romantically is simply to figure out the power of touch and to begin touching her in a way that is all about what she needs, not just about what you want. Then the third way to really go to another level romantically involves the element of surprise. Surprise her in unexpected ways. One of the best ways to shock a boring marriage is the element of surprise. Nobody likes boredom. Nobody likes the same thing over and over. And it's really just a case of laziness. It takes a little bit of energy and effort to keep things fresh. Husbands, I'm challenging you to be the one that goes first. On your way home from work or the gym or whatever you're doing, every once in a while, stop by her favorite store. But Preston, I don't know what her favorite store is. That's my point. <laughs> it's not rocket science. Hook the girl up with a little surprise every once in a while. You don't want her waking up every morning of her life thinking, I know how this day is going to end. You want her to wake up every morning going, I don't know what's going to happen today. He may do something he's never done before. And some of the men are thinking, Preston, you're raising the bar of expectation in my marriage. No, I'm not. The Holy Spirit is. And you can exceed that bar. It's just going to take a little bit of effort. And you need to understand, when you skip over pursuing your wife romantically, it is one of the biggest ways the enemy uses you as a stumbling block to cause your wife to fall. Leads to point number two. Ladies, let's talk about you. And I've left a brief period of time because I just want to dip my toe in the water and then get out of here as quickly as I possibly can on this. Some of you are like, man, we're almost done. Mm -hmm, we are. We're almost done. <laughs> Point number two, he trips over her flips. He trips over her flips. Now, ladies, before I endeavor to go down this road by myself, because no man's going to walk side by side with me, but they're going to cheer me on in their hearts, but they're going to enjoy that I walk this path alone. I want you to know I'm on your side. I'm on your side, and, and don't, don't think that's chivalry. I'll tell you why I'm on your side, because I think according to Scripture, God's on your side. Let me just read you 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says this, In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together, 
She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Husbands, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Let me translate that for you if you're having any trouble understanding it. God is saying to the husbands, homeboy, you better treat her the right way because if you don't, I am not listening to your prayers. Okay, I think that's evidence enough. God sides with the wife. All right? So ladies, just know, it doesn't mean you get out of, of, you're exempt from doing it his way, but I think when push comes to shove, he's on your side, okay? So remember, I'm on your side when we go down this road, all right? I don't want any tomatoes flying my way. I don't want any emails, okay? Just open your heart, and if this applies to you, let the Holy Spirit speak to you and do something about it, all right? What does he trip over? What flips does he trip over? Here, here it is. He trips when she flips her mood like a light switch. You can all pray in the spirit for me right now. There's another word for it, moodiness. As I was preparing for this message, I said to the Lord, now you know if I bring that word up, I'm going to get some looks. I need you to give me a divine definition for the word moodiness. And thankfully, I felt the Lord quickly respond. He said, I'll give you a definition. Here it is. Moodiness is when your quality of life is dictated by the quality of your feelings. When the quality of your life is dictated by the quality of your feelings. In other words, everything is good when you feel good. Everything is bad when you feel bad. Everything is horrible when you feel weak. Everything is great when you feel strong. And it may one day start in the up position and an hour later be in the off position up and down and the man doesn't know which roller coaster he's on now husbands listen to me closely I am not saying that the emotions God has given your wife are a bad thing ladies here's what I'm talking about unrestrained emotional eruptions and I'm also talking about emotional manipulation I'm talking about when you get into a heavy discussion with your husband and he is speaking the truth about something that you do or, or something that you've done wrong that you're struggling to admit and you start crying like a baby because you know that'll shut it down. I'm talking about anger, eruptions of anger. And obviously, this isn't just a female thing. Uh, men can do this too. Just like in point number one, women can be just as lazy romantically as men can be. But for some women, they are controlled by their feelings. But let me say this, if that's you, ma'am, you will never find a verse in the Bible that says God created you to live by following your feelings. There is not one verse in scripture. You know that saying, follow your heart. Worst advice ever. The Bible says the heart is utterly wicked. It's horrific. Do not follow it as your guide. You're not going to find a verse that says you were created to follow your feelings. When I ask somebody, hey, how come you didn't do, you know, this or that? And they say, well, I just didn't feel a peace. I know what they mean, but I, I want you to hear what they're saying. It was just as much about a feeling as it was about peace. Can I just tell you, I'm fairly confident that Jesus wasn't feeling peace 
when he was under that tree in the Garden of Gethsemane, and had he have been following his feelings, he had turned around and turned his back on Calvary. But thank God he was being led by the Father, went all the way to the cross, and then to the grave before he got up. But had he have been led by his feelings, the cross never would have happened. And yet, some of us are being led by our feelings. Hey, babe, let's go to dinner tonight. Eh, I just don't feel like it. Hey, let's go do something fun tonight. Eh, I just don't feel like it. Hey, babe, let's make love tonight. Eh, I just don't feel like it tonight. Ladies, here's what I'm hoping you hear. I'm hoping that the next time you use I feel as a qualifier to not do something that is in the best interest of your marriage, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will tap on your heart and say, you're called to follow me, not your feelings. Galatians chapter 5 says as much. Verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, not by the flesh, let us follow the Spirit's leading. When we're living by the flesh, I believe we are following our feelings. But since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Very quickly, let's answer this question, ladies. What happens when you follow your feelings? Okay, let me give you a simple answer that might hurt a little bit. You do stupid stuff. And so do I. When I'm led by my feelings, I do stupid stuff. Ladies, when you are led by your feelings, you do stupid stuff. Flip over to to chapter 30 of Genesis. I want you to see just how sideways this story gets by a couple of ladies being uh, led by their feelings. Genesis 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she wasn't having any children for Jacob, she became jealous of her sister. She pleaded with Jacob, give me children or I'll die. She puts it all on him. Then Jacob became furious with Rachel and said, am I God? He asked, he's the one who's kept you from having children. This is not about me. Then Rachel told him, take my maid, Bilhah, and sleep with her. Ladies, you know you're being led by your emotions when you suggest to your husband he go sleep with another woman to get a baby. She will bear children for me, and through her I can have a family too. So Rachel gave her servant, Bilhah, to Jacob as a wife, and he slept with her. Bilhah became pregnant and presented him with a son. Rachel named him Dan, for she said, God has vindicated me. He has heard my requests and given me a son. Wasn't even hers. Then Bilhah became pregnant again and gave Jacob a second son. Rachel named him Naphtali, for she said, I have struggled hard with my sister and I'm winning. Meanwhile, Leah realized that she wasn't getting pregnant anymore, so she took her servant, Zilpah, and gave her to Jacob as a wife. This gets more jacked up by the verse. Why? Because you have some women being led by their feelings. And it gets ugly really fast. Have you ever heard that saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? Anybody ever heard that before? Can I just tell you, that's not love, that's a threat. Because it's just a passive-aggressive way to say, you better do everything you can do to make her happy or else. And can I just say to the husbands, if you're living in a marriage where that is a mantra, 
You are not a husband to your wife. You are a hostage to her emotions. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Show me that in the Bible. All that means is you better bow down to whatever I feel. And I don't have time to go through it, but go read John 11 this week. And you see what Jesus does when some women come to him with some pretty strong emotion. And he loved these women, Mary and Martha. They say, Lazarus is dead. And Jesus says, I understand he's dead, but I'm not going anywhere. And he stayed in Judea for two more days. Then he goes to the grave of Lazarus and he weeps. But he did not bow down to emotion. He continued to follow the father. And, and we know it because he says, what's happened to Lazarus is so that the son of God can receive more glory. So I know you're sad and overwhelmed with emotion, but I cannot bow to your emotion. I have to continue to bow to the father. And he said, I'll go in a couple of days. Okay, ladies, very quickly, just some, some practical things that you can do. If you're someone that, is, uh, that battles in the area of unrestrained emotion, whether it's sadness or madness or anything in between, here's some things you can do. Here's the first thing. You have to recognize that you're doing it. One of the best things you can do is in the midst of unrestrained emotions, stop yourself and confess it. And if you feel like you are out of control, it's one of the fastest ways to come under the control of the Holy Spirit is to, in the midst of that unrestrained emotion, confess it, okay? You have to recognize when you're doing it. The second thing, you have to be able to admit it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong to manipulate with your emotions. The emotions God has given you are beautiful and special and unique. I'm not saying they're bad, but I am saying, please don't twist them into weapons that you use against your husband. Because here's my concern. It's not just you using the weapon. The devil's using it even more than you are as a stumbling block in your husband's life. And then the third, it's going to seem very simple. But the third is stop it. Stop it. Please stop convincing yourself you don't have control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. When you're following the lead of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to do that. God created you to have emotions, ladies, but he did not create your entire life to revolve around your emotions. He created your entire life to revolve around him. And there are two options. Your life can revolve around the Father, or they can revolve around your feelings. You get to pick. Husbands, I know that the last thing you want in this illustration is to be that man that is being used by the devil to trip your wife up in such a way that she would fall. Wives, I know in the same way, the last thing you want is to be complicit with the enemy so that you're used as a stumbling block for the enemy to cause your husband to fall. Since that's the way I know you feel, my advice for you is quite simple. To both of you, stop tripping. Stand up 
walk in the man or the woman in the strength and confidence and the calling God has given you as the man of God you know you are as the woman of God you know you are stop bowing down and being used by the devil to cause your spouse to fall I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes Matt's going to lead us in one more song of worship and when he does after I'm done praying and everybody stands I want to do something I want you I'm going to ask you if, if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you in this message and you're someone who battles with maybe some of the things we talked about in point one or you're someone who battles with what we talked about in point two whether you're male or female I'm going to ask you to do something brave. When I'm done praying and everybody stands, I'm going to ask you if the Holy Spirit is poking at an area in your life that the devil is using as a stumbling block to cause your spouse to fall. I'm going to ask you in a moment to come forward and pray with somebody and to kill that area, to bury it so as to never revisit it again. Or press on what are people going to think? They're going to think my marriage is in shambles. Who cares what everybody else thinks? You know what your spouse is going to think? You're amazing. I've been praying this day would come for years. Be a good spouse in this moment. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, if there are some things you need to get right, there are some things you need to tweak, I'm going to ask you to be courageous enough to come pray with somebody finished business here in the presence of the Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for every person in this room. I pray that you would grab each person by the hand sweetly who needs to do some business this morning, who needs to kill an area of this life, of their lives. I pray that you grab them by the hand, give them the boldness and the courage to stop being a stumbling block in their marriage. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.